Hello, I'm here from the emergency mixtape party. I was wondering if I could count on your vote in the upcoming election. What are you doing, Joe? You're supposed to be booking guests for the podcast. I've gone political. There's a cause very close to my heart. Right, and that is? Reinstating the death penalty. Wow, I did not see that coming. Only for serious crimes where there's 100% proof. I didn't know you were so right-wing. What other policies do you have? Well, you know when people who listen to the podcast message us to say that we should put the songs in the podcast, like we just hadn't thought of that idea? Oh god, yeah, that's so annoying. It breaks copyright rules. I know. Why can't you just put a bit of the song in? They can still put in a copyright claim. You'd have to take it up with the court and argue fair usage. Exactly. It's like they think we're idiots. Gotta hate those people. Well, my party will make asking that question a serious crime punishable by death. I'm in. I'm so in. Never before have I been so behind a political campaign. I'll make badges. I'll go door knocking. Wait, wasn't the election last month? Yeah, I meant to campaign earlier, but I had to spend time arguing about Kanye on Twitter. Had to? Uh, Okay, then. You go to the shop and get some stuff for Molotov cocktails, and while you're there, have a think about what you want to put on the mixtape. Hold on, what? Emergency mixtape. Yeah, I meant the stuff about the Molotov cocktails. What What are you suggesting we do? I'm I'm not up for that. Don't just play the theme song. Graham, Graham! Hello, welcome to Emergency Mixtape, the podcast with me, Joe Wells. And me, Graham Rice. Where we create a mixtape for every possible situation we might find ourselves in. And we also have someone to help us with that. And today we have Mark Thomas. Thank you for joining us, Mark. Hi, how are you? I'm brilliant. Yes, I'm very excited about having you on the show. Well, thank you. You were the, I don't know if you know, you were the first comedian I ever, I ever saw. Oh, my lord. It's, it's your fault. I, I, I do apologise. <laughs> I could have had a proper job and uh, you've ruined that for me. But, uh, but I'm still grateful. Well, I'm, 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 I don't quite know how to take that. <laughs> the first comic I ever saw was um, Tommy Trinder. I don't know Tommy Trinder. Tommy Trinder was... Uh, he was, he was a London comic and he was sort of um, a rival of Max Miller. Max right, Miller Max used to Miller, insist yeah. that Tommy Trinder didn't appear on the same places he played. Ah. Right? Because he thought there was rivalry. There was rivalry there. Mm. But um, Tommy Trinder was South London. He was a sort of like, you lucky people, little trilby. Used to, you, there's amazing shots of him performing to troops on the street doing routines. Wow. That were really quite amazing. And um, he used to... Uh, own Fulham Football Club. Right. As well, at one point. Um, so he's properly South London. And um, my dad said to me, you'll love this car, we're going to go. So I went to see him at Battersea Town Hall, which wasn't the art centre there. It was kind of an art centre, but it was like, not really there yet in the way that it is now. Okay. And um, they just, it was brilliant. They had a xylophone act, they had a dance troupe, they had, which were way ahead of the curve. They had every single size woman there you could imagine in the dance troupe. They had a magician who was terrible. The xylophone was amazing. And then Tommy Trinder booked to do 20 minutes and did an hour. Wow. <laughs> and so that was the first live comic I'd ever seen. Apart from, I did see Spike Milligan, but that was in a panto. Okay, right, so he was the first stand-up you saw. He was the first stand-up I saw, but not... Oh, yeah, Tommy Trinder was the first stand-up. I feel we should say there's not, there's not rivalries and bitterness in the stand-up circuit anymore, that's all. All gone. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, that's completely gone. Yeah, completely. everyone's friends now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's almost, we're playing football in no man's land. 
Uh, we, we, it's about mixtapes. We're, we're a bit obsessed with mixtapes. Um, Brilliant. We've got a theory that people are either mixtape makers or mixtape receivers. Uh, which one do you fall into? I'm a maker. Uh, excellent. That, they're the best type of person. Mixtapes are really meticulous things. Mm. You know, you have to... Do you develop a theme on it? If you're going to develop a theme, what is this theme? Who are you sending it to? What's the purpose of the sending? Mm. I, what I love doing is going, okay, I'm going to have a song that you wouldn't normally put next to this song, but there's a logic to it somewhere and it works on some level. Yes, yeah. Right. It's like a thematic link or something like that. No, it doesn't have to be a thematic link. It can just be something that will go, yeah, okay, that will go with that. That's a jump. But we'll go with it. Right. Give me so some examples. I'll give you an example. Say you could have Crass, okay. right? Followed by Professor Longhair. I don't know Professor Longhair. Professor Longhair is. Um, uh, was it like a jazz sort of like he did a? He was New Orleans honky tonk. He was kind yeah. of like he was a kind of in the same ballpark as Doctor John. Right. Um, and he does I think he does a sporting there's a ding ding it's great it's really brilliant it's amazing stuff so Professor Longhair right you know Big Chief and of course there's a great you know one of the things I love doing on Mix Up you could this is a great example is just taking Junko Partner Right, which is a traditional, right, New Orleans song. Right. Right. Do you know Junko Partner? You know, down the road came Junko Partner. Mm. He was wobbling, staggering all over the street. Okay. He was wobbling, uh, strung out and loaded, and he was as loaded as he could be. And and it's and it's a song, which is about someone who's been released. And the cor- the 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 chorus guy said said uh, one year that ain't nothing uh, two years well I could do that time you know and he has this whole thing I've got friends still stuck in Angola who are doing fourteen to ninety nine and he's singing this song about a drunk staggering across and you get different people who do different versions of it so uh, Professor Longhead does this amazing version of Junko Partner. But James Booker there's a guy called James Booker who was kind of always in the shadow of someone like Professor Longhair who was the McCoy he is just amazing he just I've got recordings of him in Manchester playing and you just hear all the way through his foot just all the way through it just him and the piano and the foot and he does this um, version of Junko Partner which is absolutely outrageous calling for cocaine and heroin and all that <laughs> wow. stuff and then of course you've got The Clash who did Junko Partner on the Sandinista mm. album, and they do their own version of it. So it's something brilliant. I've, I've subjected tour managers and friends to this. I've just gone, sit down, listen to this, because listen to the variations and the way they play with it. Yeah, yeah. I think of Stagger Lee, that's that. that yeah, exactly, that's a brilliant that, yeah. example. That's mm. a brilliant example. That's Bob Dylan versions there, which is, has that anal rape in it. <laughs> oh, has it? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> a mate of mine saw Bob Dylan recently, and, uh, who, who was touring with Neil Young. And you would go, Bob Dylan and Neil Young. Right, okay, we'll have that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she said, Bob, Bob Dylan was just like, it was embarrassing as if he didn't want to be yeah. there and do the songs. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think my dad went to see that. And I suppose when Neil Young's still a performer, he's still got that kind of performance thing where Bob's doing whatever he wants. And... Well, Bob, I don't know what he's doing. He feels, I remember Billy Bragg saying he felt like he'd thrown his songs away. Someone said this to me, and I thought, oh, I can see that it's almost like. Uh, People, the thing people say about Bob Dylan, he's a very good songwriter, but his voice isn't very good. And it's almost like Bob Dylan's gone, fuck you, I'm going to sing loads of crooner songs that I didn't write, 
and I'm going to try and prove you wrong. Well, that Christmas album he did mm. is magnificent. I love it. I think it's great. It's an absolute genius. Mm. Must Be Santa is just one of the greatest Christmas songs. His version of it. You see, see Christmas, I love doing mixtapes of Christmas songs. Mm. Yeah. They're really, and, and so you get like, um, I don't know if you know, there's a great, um, I'm spending Christmas with a Dalek. No, which is a novel or single. I'm spending my Christmas with a Dalek. Ding, 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 ding. And it's all that kind of, you know. Wow. Yeah, so you get something like that. And then you get Johnny Cash. Who you know, I remember one Christmas when Mama and Papa would gather us all around. You know, and he starts with those stories before mm. he goes into the, to the songs. And then you get people like The Fall who do, you know, Jingle Bell Rock, mm. you know, stuff like that. Or, or I'll tell you who's amazing is... Um, it is Bootsy Collins who does his amazing Christmas album, uh, who does uh, Winter Funky Land. Wow. Which <laughs> is, is, which is, is amazing. Do, yeah. It is an absolute <laughs> piece of genius. So you've got that, and I love that idea that you can mix them all up. Plus, you've got Snoop Dogg. Christmas on Death Row. Yeah. He's got Christmas, Christmas time in the ghetto. <laughs> Right, it's Santa goes. Says it's Santa goes to the ghetto. That's James yeah. Brown. Santa oh, Claus. Right. A go straight to the ghetto. That's so you know. Mm. There's a fine tradition of people doing Christmas songs, but the the Snoop Dogg's one has got this real lovely sliding kind of. Do, 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 do. I'm sure and he I brings it, in yeah. this real laid back beat on it. And you go, it's Christmas time in the ghetto. Yeah. And it's just brilliant. It's amazing. It's an amazing version. It features the lyrics, "Ain't got no reindeer, got me a couple of blue nosed pit bulls." <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. So I love that. I think I love making mixtapes. I love the idea that you can get things and um, find songs, you know, for friends, for loved ones, for lovers, you know. And it's a it's a crafted thing. It's a thing of beauty. It's a personal gift, doesn't it? Yeah, it's very, uh, hugely personal. I think Rob on one of our Rob Marlin said that it, it's like a it tracks a relationship in a way. It's saying this is a little bit of me. It's also what I think of you. Yeah, it's a kind of connection in it. It's yeah. absolutely, and it's also about what I want our relationship to be. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yes. This is, you know, <laughs> if you're sending it to someone you're in love with, there's a risk. Oh yeah, but it's great. <laughs> we need to crack on. So. Uh, uh, today we are making a mix. We thought, as you were on and you were activist, uh, we need a mix to overthrow the government. So we're thinking of good songs to overthrow the government. And the first track is me. I've gone for a party for your right to fight by Public Enemy. <laughs> that was an excellent choice, Graham. I enjoy that a lot. Thanks. Are you a Mark Thomas? Uh, I was going to say, are you a Mark Thomas fan? I am a big fan of Mark Thomas. <laughs> He's great, isn't he? He's amazing. He's great. Are you a Public Enemy fan? Yes. I mean, I'm a, a huge Public Enemy fan. I think what they did was absolutely astounding. Um, I go back because I started getting into hip hop with people like KRS One and Boogie Down Productions, mm. which I love, and Stetsasonic, you know what I mean, and all those kind of guys. And I just really, I was obsessed. I used to listen to, uh, what's his name, Mark Westwood. Um, oh yeah, yeah. You know, and, Tim Westwood Tim Westwood, yeah. Westwood. Yeah. That's, Tim Westwood, that's, Westwood. Yeah. that's the guy we used to listen to him me and my mates and it was really really um, that w when you got a song that you liked that, that was that kind of like we got to learn every single word you know the mm. way that you just want to learn every lyric um, and I probably could do it I could probably remember bits if pushed but I don't think I should because it would <laughs> sound like Michael Gove okay. so going back to Public Enemy what mm. they did was really incredibly radical because they took a form that had 
you know, hip-hop was, was incredibly localised. Mm. It was incredibly localised. There were local rappers singing about local things. And what, what was amazing uh, about Public Enemy was that when they performed, what they, they seemed to radicalise or catch a radical wave. And the reaction of the mainstream press to it was absolute outrage and horror. But the music is thrilling. There was a few reasons I chose this one. Um, I think uh, it promote. I think if we are overthrowing the government, we need a lot of unity. And I like the the dual vocal between Chuck D and Flavor Flay. I think that's a really cool thing. They're uniting for a common goal, and I think that's what we're trying to do here. I, was, I think what's amazing as well is that that, that kind of relationship between Chuck D and Flavor Flay. Mm. There's a really interesting relationship there. You know, here's a man who's incredibly studied and well read and erudite. Do you know mm. what I mean? And an educated man uh, alongside Flavor Flav. Flav, Flav yeah. <laughs> he's playing this massive kind of like... He's, he is just like Bez before Bez. Yeah. Mm. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, except he Bez isn't even... Uh, I'm so sorry, Flavor Flav. <laughs> Bez should not be compared to you. Our next choice was one of my choices, which is Trauma by Ezra Thurman. My, my thinking is that, uh, that one of the things which ignites a revolution is when people snap in their workplaces. This sure. is a song about being unhappy in your work and finally snapping. I absolutely love that song. Have you, have you guys heard Ezra Furman no. before? Yeah, I mean, I've been doing this for you for many, many months I've now. I've probably so been yes, talking about yes, it quite a lot. He's, he's amazing. He's all, like someone's gone. Here's all the things you like. I put them together into one kind of, there's a bit of Bob Dylan there, a bit of Bruce Springsteen in there. There's some kind of Tom Waits and there's punk in there. It's got kind of interesting gender politics. So I think he kind of, identifies as a man but it's like a, I guess like a cross-dresser and um, he it, it is bisexual so some of the songs are about being in love with men it's a fantastic album called Transangelic Exodus about him running away from the government with um, an angel who's like a refugee but possibly kind of transgender like he's had this kind of operation to have the wings put on um, this song Trauma from the new album is if is you cannot be transgressive in performance Mm. There's no fucking point doing it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there really isn't. So, brilliant. Can I ask a suggestion? Can we mm. add a quick song in as yes, we're following in? Yeah. Can you look for Genevieve for No Means No, Forward Until Death? Okay. Right, so this is a great so, song. This is, yeah. this is a beautiful song. So, so just to uh, recap, Mark, Mark's adding a, a bonus track. I yeah, th I think this is apt in, in the podcast about overthrow overthrowing the government. We're yeah, going against we're breaking the rules. Yeah. I know, I'm, I'm breaking the rules. And going, <laughs> I'm a wild card. Um, and it is uh, no means no with General Biafra doing forward to death. And why I love that, it's, it's, I kind of it's a song that I missed. And I loved General Biafra. I loved Dead Kennedys. I mm. loved No Means No. They were really exciting and Lard, which are all the offshoots and connections. But. This song just sort of, for some reason, went past me. I was reading an amazing book called Rivethead, whose author I've forgotten, but he is someone who used to work in the car factories in Flint, Michigan, and Mike Moore encouraged him to write by getting him to do music reviews. And he wrote this amazing book about what it was like to, to work as a riveter on the night shift in, in the GM plant in Flint, sure. Michigan. And um, he had this co-worker for some time who was a woman and everyone thought they were having an affair but they weren't they were just exceptionally good mates they loved the same music they got on really really well and um, she had to do, go to the sh day shift she had to go to the day shift because her and her husband had decided that they wanted to have a child and she thought it'd be easier to, to kind of get pregnant and have a child if there was a day shift available and so um, 
That's what she did. And on the last night they spend together on the night shift riveting, there's just two of them working on these body parts. And he says, he describes how he can't speak to her. He can't speak to her because he knows if he says anything, he'll cry. Because here's a person that he loves. Do you know, this is his, one, his best mate. Mm. Mm. And he loves her and he knows that if he says anything about you know, it being the last night, that would be it. And what she does is 15 minutes before the shift ends, she puts down her rivet gun, <laughs> she walks around to the front of his bench and sings forward to death. <laughs> straight in his face and then walks away wow and that my friends is a thing that's beautiful that's how I met my wife you know <laughs> that's friendship that is friendship mm. but it's also acknowledging the emotional the things that, that, that we that we that we feel restrained about but mm. finding that way of talking to each other mm. that's tremendous I mean that really is really it's nice. almost that thing we're saying about mix, that is a mixtape isn't it yeah, exactly. here's a song for you yeah, yeah. that's an acapella mixtape yes yeah live and also beautiful that she didn't finish the shift <laughs> yeah. it's you yeah. can't follow that that's a closer um, we need our we speaking need of following that yeah. yes um, it, it's your first song Mark Oh, that's oh yeah, that's amazing. That's a that's a revolutionary song. MC Five, kick out the jams. That's an amazing. I heard that by accident because I loved KLF, right? And I loved and you just kick out the jams, motherfucker. The 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 beginning of the gig has their manager on stage because it's recorded live. Brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, I give to you a testimonial. I give you a testimonial. It takes five seconds to make up your mind. Five seconds to make side of your mind. What side are you on? Which side are you on? I give you the MC5. Oh, hell breaks out. Yeah, right? I'm and they go, they go into the first song, which is Rambling Rose. And then they do Kick Out the Jams, which is quite an amazing song. Yeah, I, lo- I loved it. Absolutely. It's, it's not... I, uh, so this is I, I don't know enough about MC so this is pre-punk and you can see that yeah. kind of punk energy coming out this is well pre-punk mm. this is well pre-punk Robert Wyatt when he was in Soft Machine right because every now and again I speak to Robert and he's because he's, I adore him mm. and um, I use some of his music for a show and so I phoned him up to ask if we could get permission to use it because I just wanted to speak to him <laughs> and, um, and, it, and we sort of became mates and he uh, I started doing gigs in remote parts of Lincolnshire so I could ask him along to them, <laughs> right? And, and I was kind of obsessed with him, really. But he told me that he supported MC5 and they were so sweet. Uh, they, they said they were so lovely. They were, you know, they were just like, These, this is your gig, man. You go out there. And it was their home crowd. They were gonna, mm. they were gonna rule, mm. you know, but they made sure they had their space, which I think is always a lovely thing. Yeah, I, I saw Robert White with, with um, from the jam. Paul, Paul Weller, sorry. Uh, and he, he was fantastic and he really stole the show and Paul Weller went off for a bit and he did some songs at the piano kind of does a song about newspapers about kind of sun journalism and it's just really really lovely and sweet and funny he's, 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 he has this little kind of way of playing with musical forms mm. so you get um, there's a song about Indonesia at East Timor on one of his albums right. and he turns it into this almost this little musical number Timor, East Timor, who's your lady friend? Indonesia. You know, and it, it has all these kind of like, these sort of throwbacks to to jazz and musical, 
but he's so distinctive. Mm. Him and him and, and, and Ivor Cutler, you know, they're, they're, they're beautiful, yeah. sort of lovely examples of English eccentricities. And well, not Ivor, well. but you know, <laughs> um, but that they have that those eccentricities yes. that you you sometimes get in music. And I, oh, I loved him. Uh, yeah. Charming, I think, is that. Oh, he's yeah. just the, 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 yeah, the most lovely man. But this is MC5, Kick Out James. Yes, now you, Graham. Yes, it is. My next choice is The Distance by Cake. I, I really love this choice. I think it's, it's perfect cool for overfrying the government. I like it, I like it a lot. Um, there's a couple of reasons I chose this one because I think this uh, and a lot of cake. Uh, do you, do you guys know cake? No, um, no. but I'm I'm a convert now. Yeah, I think it's it's got that weight. It's the kind of a uh, they're still going now. They started early '90s California, sort of just ge generic rock kind of band. Um, they're known for having very uh, kind of sarcastic uh, monotone lyrics, and I think I like this song anyway. Um, like comedian wise, I'm a big fan of Stephen Wright. And I think he was one of my biggest influences getting into comedy. And I think that's still got that weird kind of monotone, real low energy vocal, which I think is... Do you know, there's, there's a real... Um, I think there's a... I, I love it when bands produce their own idiosyncratic mm. way of, of creating lyrics. Mm. I'm yeah, a big fan so. of, a band, uh, of a band called McCluskey. Oh, McCluskey, yeah, yeah. I adore. Oh, fantastic. And, um, and they're just, so one of their songs is called Alan is a Cowboy Killer, hmm. right? Which is just, what? And, and you just have a whole, right, there's a great song of theirs that begins with the lyrics, all your friends are cunts, your mother is a ballpoint pen thief. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's a amazing. brilliant lyric. <laughs> it is, uh, uh, the Cowboy Killer, is, it? is that about what I think it's about? Alan is a Cowboy Killer! It's, um, I don't know. It's, about, it's not about someone killing cowboys. I don't, I, who knows? <laughs> who knows? But it's absolutely, I mean, they, they, they have this, um, they just have a brilliant way of just playing with this kind of like slightly kind of bland, absurdist things and they're mm. just making it absolutely come to life. Mm. There's an amazing song there, it's called Your Heart's kind of Gone the Colour of Coca-Cola, which is <laughs> yeah, just yeah. like, which is like, what a great lyric. It's almost like, you've got to take in each word and put it together yeah. in your head to give me a bit of a, a satellite delay on, on the song titles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you want to quickly just, just synopsize the, the narrative of this song? Um, yeah, so for me, it's kind of a cautionary tale where uh, the protagonist or protagonists in the song, um, they are... Well, going the distance, um, what they're doing is they're doing everything they can to get to the end. Whether or not it's a good idea to get to the end of their particular struggle remains to be seen. But for me, it's a bit of a cautionary tale of people doing as much as they can to get something done without really taking the time to think, is this really what we want? Is this really the thing to do? And I think at time of recording, um, that's very uh, appropriate politically. Right. With, uh, <laughs> is this a Brexit metaphor, are you saying? I couldn't possibly comment. Excellent. <laughs> Our next song is you again, Mark. Fight the Power by the Isley Brothers. I really love that. Thank you for introducing me to it. It's a great song. Great that song. is an amazing... I love that song so much. I tell you, there's something about it which just... This is going to sound odd. Go with me. <laughs> there's something about it that just grabs you by the gut. Mm. And it just kind of like really just pulls you in. And it's a this, this brilliant funk, you know yes. what you've got, and, and and often this happens, you know, with funk. James Brown had the same things, you know, and you've got to remember. And so there's a history 
of politics within that. Mm. And especially, you know, when you, when you look at, um, you know, James Brown, I'm sure you know the story about James Brown, who they, they said that th they could have had a riot. It's the day that he was performing, the day that Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. Mm. Right. And, you know, loads of places were rioting. And James Brown was performing, he told people not to riot. And it was kind of the only man who could stop a riot Wow, was, was James Brown. And it was... There's a real history. Well, if you look at, uh, uh, at funk and so on, especially people like Marvin Gaye, you know, who, who produce really political works that are really exciting. And they're always about the underdog, always about an underclass, always about uh, rising up. And not always about rising up, but they're, they're always about how you cope with, with things, how you deal with things. Mm. But it, when you on first lesson, you're, like, you're right, it grabs you by the gut and you... I, I can imagine if someone's driving along and this came on the radio, you'd be able to see visibly I, in them. I can see Homer Simpson being hooked into this yes. before he realises <laughs> what it is. Coming up back now. But... <laughs> it's fa a fantastic choice, thank you. I, our last choice was me uh, with the Daniel Wakeford experience and It's a Wonderful City. There's, have you, heard, you haven't heard Daniel Wakeford before? I haven't, but I really like that. I, I felt... This isn't a criticism, but it felt familiar. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It felt, yeah. it, I yeah, felt I like, like I know this. That's I know really, this. Yeah. I know this kind of. This is great. I'm into this. This is yeah. This is me. So he shot to fame on a TV show called The Undateables. He's a, he's an autistic man, and there was this TV show uh, about him uh, finding a girlfriend. But he also is a songwriter and makes this just incredible music. And then and his autisticness comes through in the writing and. Um, I, I saw him. I saw him in Brighton, and there's a good, you know, gig buddies. You know, gig buddies. No, they're a charity that support adults with learning disability to go out outside of their support hours time, so to go okay. to gigs and go to cinema and go stuff like that. So the gig buddies got loads of, of adults with learning disabilities. That's gig. Daniel Waite was up there doing his thing, and it just felt. The reason I wanted to include is because it felt like a vision of what I want society to be. Mm. It was so inclusive, you know. Whatever, if you want to dance, you can dance. If you want to sit in the corner, you can sit in the corner. You can be whoever you want to be, and uh, I, I just think it's it's really joyous. And, and the song is about Brighton and loving living in Brighton, and it's just a picture of how I want the world to be. That's an amazing thing. That sounds a really amazing thing. I'm going to have to go and find out more about him. Yeah, his stuff is fantastic. It's the they're just about things that interest him. So there's a um, there's a song about watching the new watching ITN news and um, different places he's been. They're going to write a song about it. Um, the kind of girlfriend he wants, and it's it's just just really innocent song. But because he, I guess he part of his condition is he gets words jumbled up. Yeah, and they're written in a kind of jumbled up well, it's, way. It's interesting. To, hopefully, for continuity, this will stay in. But we were talking about McCluskey earlier. Um, there's a very similar. It's this chaotic kind of phrasing of everything isn't it? mm. it's just it's it's so alien but like you say so familiar at the same time and it's just it's really yeah, wonderful really really good i think outsider art is the, is the phrase that's yeah it's that. absolutely outsider art mm. and i love it i really find that exciting we have a few extra tracks we've been asking people to suggest extra tracks if you're listening to this you can do it via our twitter which is at emixpod on facebook which is also emixpod uh, we've got a few suggestions. Fight for your right to party. Kent was suggested by about ten people. Yeah, it's, a, it's on the nose, but I think that's a, a good suggestion. Yeah. Um, Get in the ring by Guns and Roses. I don't know this song. Uh, this is an interesting one. Get in the ring is from Usual Illusion Two from the Guns and Roses album. It's very interesting because it's the only recorded Guns and Roses track that starts with a an audience in the background. 
but it was never played live. Ah. So they, uh, they, they're they calling out like uh, Mick Wall and Kerrang and Spin and all this kind of stuff. It's very, it's, it's political as they would get, I would say. I, I have a prejudice against Guns N' Roses because someone when I was at college told me that Knocking on Heaven's Door was written by Axl Rose and we had a big argument about it. And I still think about it about at least once a week. I think about that. Uh, we've got So Fucking What by the Anti-Nowhere League. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Can I make a suggestion to one? Yes, go Which on. is going back to Public Enemy and Antrax, sure. Bring the Noise. Yeah. yeah. That's a good one, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, they're, they're very much bridged things, Public Enemy, didn't they? Because they're on that Sonic Youth album and, and they're... Yeah, and I mean, also, that was an amazing part. song. Mm. You've got a whole load of Anthrax fans turning up to a Public Enemy gig. Yeah, yeah. And a whole load of Public Enemy fans turning up to an Anthrax gig. Yes, yeah. It didn't always go... I remember uh, Body Count... To, when they did Cop Killer. So it doesn't always go as well, I think. I don't think that was as good as Bring the Noise. Uh, we've got Megalomaniac by Incubus. I've never listened to Incubus. No. So I don't think I have I, I was looking for this song the other day. Didn't remember what it was called. So thank you for that. I will go and listen to it. Uh, Wonderful. Man, I just need you at my yeah. side. Because <laughs> I need your knowledge. Because you've got a really good brain on music. So <laughs> I... I I, I would like you... I, can I request for you to be a sidekick? <laughs> sure. Does that mean you get to open for you then? Yeah, if you want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You could do that. I don't mind. <laughs> We've got Kick Over the Statues by the Redskins. Great song. See, that's an interesting because they all sort of keep on keeping on, which I think is very much <coughs> the antithesis of this song. So it's interesting that they've got a song about two songs things. which contradict themselves. Yeah, it's interesting. That's, that's the theme for a mixtape, is contradictory. Yeah. Songs. Hypocrites. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, 16 Years by Jay Butcher. I don't know that one. I saw that I one. I don't know. Do you know what I might put on the list? I might put Harper Valley PTA. I love that song. <laughs> the Dolly Parton song. version. The, the, well, the original wasn't Dolly Parton. No. It no. was. Ten, pound, ten points for this. If you get it, <laughs> you can do a slot for me tonight. <laughs> oh, it's high stakes. I think I'm going to let you down. Ah, I don't know either. But, um, <laughs> you could have said anything. It, 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 I could have said anything, but it would have been wrong. <laughs> and um, I'm trying to... I want to say Patsy, but it's not Patsy. I know, I know the Dolly Parton version. I know that it wasn't. But really it is. Well. Harper Valley PTA know, is just a, a great, it's great song. And if it's... that was made now, it would be seen as this kind of very political feminist song. But it's a, it's a Dolly Parton. Mm. I think Dolly Parton's inc- incredible. I've talked about it before on the podcast. Well, I, I think country's really... Country is one of these forms which is often overlooked. Mm. And it is because country comes straight out you know, that whole collision of gospel and blues and prison work songs and all of that meets the Appalachians and the influx from, from Europe. And you get, out of it comes country and western. Mm. And you have this amazing... Uh, 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 what country often has... Johnny Cash epitomises it. You know, uh, I think it, it, um, Hank Williams did as well. You know, of the underdog. Mm. And of, of just being the, the rank outsider. Um, and of course, hugely political, massively political. Mm. And I think any, um, you know, women singing in country, it automatically puts you in the, you can be political quite easy here. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, but despite that, Dolly Parton and lots of female country singers are quite overtly political. Yeah. You know, you know, Dolly Parton could have kind of kept her quiet and not caused any trouble. She didn't quite overtly, I know she wouldn't say she was feminist, but quite feminist songs really absolutely absolutely I was at um, a Christy Moore gig and uh, my partner was pregnant and had gone past the due date 
but I got tickets to see Christy Moore mm-hmm. at the Hackney Empire, and and mobiles had just been sort of come out, but not many people had them, right? It was it was it wasn't the great big tank sort of that you had to carry along with you the briefcase. Sure, but um, my mate Robin was going, and he said, "I'm I'm in the, I'm in the circle, so give your missus my number, and if it all kicks off, I'll shout down." In the in the in the middle of a Christy Moore gig, I Mark. <laughs> Your missus has gone into labour. <laughs> so, but the, uh, so I remember very distinctly the gig. There's going to be like five other marks in the audience. Go what? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think I would have got it. But, yeah. uh, yeah. It'd be great though. Five of us had rushed out. Yeah. Okay, look, which one? Should we just take a gamble and four of us can see yeah. the rest of the gig? Um, but the Christy Moore did a song called "The Rose of Tralee," which is you know just a terrible song. But he subverts it and mucks around with it, you know, and plays with it. But a woman in the audience just, who's drunk just shouted out, that's sexist. And he said, well, you know, why did you hear my version? He said, that's sexist. He's going, well, you know, maybe if you listen to the verse and listen to it, and then maybe you can call it sexist at the end. You know, mm-hmm. you make your decision. He goes, that's sexist. And people get really pissed off. And he just stopped. And it was this magic moment. He just stopped, took a step back, took a deep breath in, stepped forward and sung Women Are Being Strip Searched in Armagh. Right. And it was kind of like, okay, we shouldn't call him out anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for chatting us, Mark. It's been oh, it's a real pleasure. Fun. That's Thanks. wonderful. Uh, you know, you. we've talked about music, so I'm really happy yeah, yeah. doing that. Yes, there's just and an excuse for us to talk about music, really. That's <laughs> do you know, I, 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 I hope you invite me again. Thank you. Yeah, we'd love to. What are you working on at the moment? You're always working on about 10 different things. So. Uh, we're doing one show. Well, what's happened is, um, do you know about Chagos Islands? The um, Chagosians have a football team. They have the uh, football team, Chagosian Football Association, and they play in a league which is the Kanifa League. And Kanifa, uh, or Conifa, they are teams that can't get into FIFA, so they're statesless states. And so you get Palestinians, Kurds, Western Saharawis, Tibetans, Southern Ossetians, uh, Matabili land, you know, all these different places mm. playing in this league and they have a World Cup every two years. Wow. And so the Chagosians, uh, I read, I saw this tweet and it just said, we're the Chagosian national football team and we've got to play these international matches and so we really need to practice or they don't want to come and play us. And so I, I know nothing about football, but I wanted to go and speak to the uh, guy who who is the manager and the, this woman, this amazing woman, this is matriarch who just drives the political project through, and it's a beautiful thing, you know these 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 places without a state creating a football team, the culture mm. of a state in the expectation that the state will follow at some later date, and I just think that's a beautiful, amazing, wonderful thing, and I had some money from a project, and. I, I was talking to them and they said, oh, we, I said, everything going around. They said, we need some money for the kit. I said, oh, I'll sponsor you. So I gave them the thing and they said, do you want your, what, what do you want in terms of logo? I'm like, man, don't, you know. <laughs> you didn't you turn that down, having a logo on a... No, no, yeah, I did because I thought, you, you know, the whole point is, you know, the, 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 there's no, this is, this is solidarity. This isn't a business relationship. Do you know what I mean? This is like... This is, I think you're brilliant. And you well, no, the difference between me and you, I'd have Joe Wells on there. <laughs> <laughs> I did for a minute think if I could put my face on the shorts. I will yes. admit. <laughs> but on team Tomo. Yeah. You know. <laughs> you know. Um, but I, I, I think it's actually important just to go, no, you should have the money because you need the money. Mm. And that's, that's fair. 
anyway, so what happened was we had a long conversation with her. I talked to him about how I don't know anything about football, but I, like, I love the politics of it all. And I said, can I come and see some of the games uh, when you play the World Cup, uh, which is in June next year? And this woman who is the matriarch of the Chagosian team said, I have one place on my squad for a journalist. So I'm now the embedded journalist wow. for the Chagosian <laughs> football team when they play in the World Cup. Right. So you're, wow. you're, you're the football reporter that doesn't know about football? Yeah, but that's Fantastic. the exciting thing. Is I get amazing. to go and learn about football <laughs> and, and hopefully you know, talk to people and learn. And there's a wonderful, it's sort of, we're going to do a show about it and just sort of That's do the show. It's such a great... It's a beautiful story. And it's just like, I, I don't know what the ending is going to be. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> it ends at 90 minutes, normally. Okay, I've time. heard there's extra time. What? Don't complicate <laughs> No, I've just showed off my knowledge. Baby steps, right. baby steps. Thank you so much for joining us, Mark. And um, if you'd like to find out about new themes, suggest new themes, you can email emergencymixtechpodcast at gmail.com. Thank yeah. you. I've been Joe. Have a good night. And I've been Graham. Have a good night. And I've been Mark. Have a good night too. Good night. Right, we're here. Number 10. Day one of the new regime. What are we going to do? Renationalise public services, introduce a real living wage, four-day week? Oh, I just passed the law about people asking us why the songs aren't in the podcast. Then I gave the keys back to the old guys. What? There's so much we could have done. I wanted to ban Foo Fighters. Mate, being in government was never for us. We've got to spend more time on the podcast. So all we did was pass one law? Oh no, that law was immediately repealed. So the whole violent revolution was completely pointless? Not completely pointless. How? We got to meet Mark Thomas.